Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 469 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm remembering to do it. This is Joe and Todd. Todd, how are we doing today? Doing fantastic. I think you said the make of that car perfectly, by the way. Right. Lamborghini, not Lamborghini. Or Lamborghini. I'm not sure how you were saying it last week. Lamborghini. Yes. I'm not I'm surprised that we didn't get more people uh tweeting at us that like I was wrong or you were wrong or what like the preferred uh, you know, whatever is. Right. I think I'm right, but anyway. We'll have to go to we'll have to go to a dealership and ask them. Is there a Lamborghini dealership around here? I think there's one in Scranton. Maybe Wilkesbury. I know there's a Jaguar dealership in Wilkesbury. Jaguar. Mm-hmm. It's not Jaguar. It's Jaguar. Now DuckDuckGo tells me here are right. four tips that should help you perfect your pronunciation of Lamborghini. <laughs> Break down the sounds. Lamb. Ba, gi, and G-H-E-E, knee, N-E-E. Say it out loud and exaggerate the sounds until you can consistently produce them. <laughs> wow. Thank you, DuckDuckGo. Could you send me that link? Yes. So I can practice between now, because I open next week. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure I have that, that car down before we get to it. No, they do, and it does. It, that is the sub. That is the header subject, uh, to a uh, something called "You English," not what like the Amish say to us, but right. it's kind of like a subgenre of YouTube of a video of two hundred eighteen examples of the correct pronunciation of Lamborghini. Mm. I just looked up, I think the nearest uh, Lamborghini uh, dealership is Paramus, New Jersey. <laughs> That's Scranton. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's only 87.8 miles away. In a Lamborghini, that only takes 10 minutes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, boy. But we actually have comic book stuff to talk about. Ooh, goody. We have... I know everyone's uh, sitting down for this. Definitive DC cancellations and speculative DC cancellations. Speaking of DC, uh, we have the official announcement of who is going to be filling in uh, on Batman after Tom King returns. And it's not quite who we are all expecting. And we also have a discussion of, at the very least, a top 10 company bringing back yet again a much-beloved duo. Mm-hmm. We have uh, conventions this weekend, and specifically something earmarked here for conventions called Todd's Timeout. <laughs> I'm not really sure what that refers to. Uh, digital sales and freebies, including some new ones there from Marvel. Uh, what we read from this past week, which includes Inferior 5, number 1, and... Second Coming, number three. The Return, with the penultimate edition of the Mutant Minute. What we're looking forward to this week. Uh, reminders about the Pigskin Pickums, Todd's Art Attack, and so much more. Yes. 
So we talked about cancellations. And there had been, just like a month ago, a Brian Azzarello solicited Birds of Prey book. Mm -hmm. It was even the cover of the previews. (laughs) And it was supposed to come out in October. It was supposed to come out in like three weeks. And then just this past week, DC canceled it. And then it's going to be re-solicited as a black label book when the movie comes out. Right. Now, it was going to be a little bit odd because I know we had discussed here a couple weeks ago that Tom Taylor was going to be doing a Suicide Squad book. And obviously, you know, Brian Azzarello has a tumultuous relationship with DC. Um, Maybe they're positioning him to be the black label guy. I would guess so, because that seems to be maybe more adult stuff he wants to do. I don't know. It's just weird to me. Yeah, especially since it was a book that was, like, already solicited to come out, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, as I, and so, again, this was just announced uh, last week, and then a week prior to that, people were tweeting at Brian Azzarello saying that Birds of Prey 3 wasn't in the December solicitations. Mm-hmm. And people were like, maybe because of the holiday. And he goes, or maybe something else. Which is his <laughs> reply to everybody else. That was a week before the official announcement. See, I'm wondering if, like I said before, he has an exclusive contract that he has to ride out. You know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. when you get an exclusive contract, you have you can't work anywhere else. You have to if they give you work, you have to take it. If you if you don't want it, you don't get paid. I would guess, but that I don't know. But it's probably just like you know what, and I can't say anything till we ride this out. I I I want to see a few like I want a Brian Azzarello tell all book in a couple of years. To what's going on because well you know and again you say exclusivity he does have that book that's out from boom that kind of is a little racy mm-hmm. if you will called faithless and he pushes that hard on his social media not so much like for every one batman tweet there's three faithless tweets and it makes sense because that's his creator own book right But uh, a lot of these guys, when they have these exclusives, get like a free pass on one book. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. It's like, I forget. I have to get on the list. I know there's one or two floating around the back of my head where it's like, all right, I'm exclusive, but I get to do this on the side. Like, it's my one, like, get out of jail free card. So I would guarantee if he has an exclusive, that's what that is. Right. Again, just, and it's just odd. So I'd be... I don't want to say I'd be willing to bet. I wouldn't be so sure that this book comes out alongside the Suicide Squad movie. I, I, I know we're not, I'm not doing the bet thing, but I'm saying I think it probably will mm-hmm. because if they have if they have it solicited for three in December, one was probably due to come out unless 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 that book was never drawn. That that I'm not going to go. But well, I no, do I, think one one was ready to go for the first week of October. Right, so we're almost there, so it should be in the can and all that stuff. But I think they're going to want as much product out there when the movie hits. So if if he only even does like four issues, that'll that there are three issues or whatever that'll be out for it. It'll be a three part mini. My thought process on it is less it not getting finished, but more. Uh, his interactions with DC between now and the time of publication. But it's one of those things, it's work for hire 
once it's in their hands, they can do whatever they want with it. And if he's going to be mad, you might as well make the money and burn the bridge. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if, if you're going to leave, if you're going to leave, I might as well make money on you before you leave. That's true. You know, cause mm-hmm. he's already unhappy. What do you, I always say, what are you going to make him more? He's If he's already leaving, what are you going to make him more unhappy? Oh, yes. he'll never be back. You know, they all come back. That's right, because they all come back. You, as one of the big two publishers, at the end of the day, hold not all, but most of the cards. Exactly. And, and the only that, cards the creator has are the jokers and the rules for drawn stud poker. And the only outside chance, of, you know, on the on the outside chance of a straight is they he hits big with his one product. You know what I mean? That's the way it is. You have to become... Ed Brubaker or uh, Robert Kirkman before you can go do that. And a lot of these guys aren't that, you know what I mean? So Azarello's close though. He's like right at the cusp. <sighs> like I said, I don't know if he has the exclusive. If he does have the exclusive, he can't leave when the exclusives up. We'll see because if he, if he is that, then he goes, does his own thing. If not, he scoots over to Marvel and that's what happens. Mm-hmm. But I have the feeling he's, at the edge of his end of his rope with corporations. And I can't imagine Disney's going to be any easier to deal with when he comes in with some of his Azarelloed up scripts. You know what, what I mean? Oh no, no, no. Like, Hey, let me take Dr. Strange into the pits of hell and, you know, like have this and flaying alive and burning. Like, eh. I'd like to think that the brass and the management at Marvel would cut that off before pen got to paper and drawings were made. Whereas I think DC kind of sometimes they'll make a decision, not think it all the way through until it's too late. Or I think at least with Marvel's current infrastructure, they have more layers set up that if someone like a Brian Azzarello, they're like, hey, we take a meeting with Brian Azzarello. And he has this wild pitch for Doctor Strange, right? Mm-hmm. And there's the pitch. And I think they don't say, well, we got Brian Azzarello, we got stars in our eye, let's have him do this pitch. And then six months later, they're like, Oh, boy, he's really doing it, huh? Oh, boy, what are we going to do now? Which it seems to happen more so with DC than it does with anyone else. But I think that if with D- with Marvel, it's, it's different because obviously it's the House of Disney. Like when you come to pitch to your editor, behind the editor is a big mural on the wall of Marvel characters and Disney ducks and mice and all playing nicely. And like you have to look at your editor and that mural behind him and, and pitch that crazy arcane dark story. And it just doesn't work that like, that's the vision in my head. So I don't know. I just have a feeling like when you go in there, you, you almost know what you like. You'd have to be crazy to go in there and be like, this is what I want to do. I want to do, you know, I want to make the anatomy lesson even spookier. Like, no, it's probably not going to happen. You know? Mm-hmm. It's in your mind, probably, before you even sit down. Right. So one of the other books, again, not canceled officially yet, but the Omnibros Live on Twitter tweeted something out stating that the, uh, I thought it was the Jimmy and Amanda one, but it was the Bronze Age Jonah Hex Omnibus that was supposed to be coming out uh, next year was already canceled. Right. This is the Michael Fleischer uh and other i forget uh 
who wrote them. Uh, Michael Albano was the writer and Tony DiZanigo was drawing it and Jose Garcia Lopez was drawing it. Um, this is all the stuff that was in the, remember when they were doing the black and white showcases? Yeah. Back in the day, this is all that stuff, but it's, it would be reprinted in color. So it would be all-star Western 10 and 11, uh, 12, which would be weird Western tales up until he left, I think, which was around 38. And then some of the Jonah hex run, that like one to say 12 or whatever. I don't remember, but that's what it would be because all these bronze age, uh, omnibi are a different weird, um, uh, residual. You get different, uh, pay scale for that. So that kind of throws things off, but it's not 100% guaranteed yet because they have it. I talked to Matt at our shop who's been on the show before he, he said it hasn't been official, but all that news is always, Give, given out on Wednesday when they get their official email later in the day when the books are on sale. So I, that's when I think we'll get news is when they get their email of Doomsday Clock being to- 12 being totally on time, Shazam being moved back, and the fate of this omnibus. Right. And I, I knee-jerkingly reacted that it was the Palmiotti and Gray run, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. But I know you, being a Joan of Hex fan, that this uh, you know is something that you follow closely. Right. And it's, I mean, it's still good, really good. I mean, the, the Palmiati gray one was better, but I think they would have done this and then like, you know, let that would have been more omnibuy down the line as they're doing with the, uh, the swamp thing. The second swamp thing one is coming out. So I I'm hoping that it'll happen, but, uh, we'll see. We shall see indeed. So, uh, the, I guess other big news, just want to lead with the cancellation stuff is all. Uh, The other big news from this past week is the official announcement of who's taking over Batman for Tom King. uh, Once his run ends a little prematurely, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, We haven't had the solicitation, I assume it's going to be with the new year, of that Batman Catwoman miniseries that's going to wrap up his run outside Mm -hmm. of the main Batman book. But James Tinian IV, who is currently doing Detective, is just coming on with the existing creative team, like for art and coloring and all that sort of jazz over on Batman with, what is it? What issue is it? I forget. 80 or 87, I think. Right. So whatever the first issue of like 2020 is going to be, it's going to be James Tinian. Right. And I guess, you know, and we'll kind of get into our discussions and thoughts on this because we did have some discussion about this online. Mm-hmm. Uh, which rarely happens these days. Typically, we save the comic book stuff for the show. If it wasn't a third party, then I probably would. <laughs> like, if you brought it up, yeah. it was it was uh, our good buddy DJ, and I was like, ah, you know, I don't get to talk to him that much, so I was like, I'll throw my opinion out, see what he thinks. So, but do you think? Do you think he's now? When you say Tom King's leaving early, do you think he's leaving? Do you don't think the bat and the cat was what he wants to do? Or do you just mean leaving early Batman? Leaving early. Well, we talked about this, you know, way, way, way many months ago when it was announced that it, you know, it certainly felt as though whatever was the end game of Tom King's run with Batman, DC Warner Brothers didn't want that story to be in their hundredth issue. I totally agree. And And like we we talked about this way long ago. It's like, we're going to let you finish your story. But it's going to be separate from the title that's called Batman. Mm-hmm. 
And I think, like I said, and now I'm just going to go into my opinion. I think that Tinian, who's a good writer, I loved his stuff on Detective back a while a while ago, and he's done other stuff. He did that. Ta- he created Talon, which was the the Court of Alus character that was the good guy. Um, he's done a lot of stuff that I like, but I do have this weird thing that like he's uh, on the scale of people. He's not the A tier. He's might be a high C or a low B tier. And I think he is definitely filling those 13 or 14 issues to get to a hundred, which I think we both agree on that a hundred is going to be one of those nine ninety nine, you know, multi talent books or whatever. And then I totally feel that there's even rumors. There's going to be a new number one, which makes sense. I'll give DC credit for getting to a hundred on Batman. Um, we'll get number one. And then there, by then we'll either have the big creator, um, that they bring over or, or pull out of the woodwork or Bendis, because I don't think Bendis wanted to be the guy who was seen as stealing Tom King's thunder. But he'd be the guy who was, hey, I'll be the guy after Tinian. You know what I mean? Right. And start a new book. And there's no baggage going into number one. Like, I, I don't have to have a great story leading into 100. I could do my 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 eight-pager, and then that kicks off my story in one, a la him doing it the exact same way in Action Comics 1000. And this is not a knock on Tinian. I think Tinian is a very good writer. Um, you know, he's had a lot of really good Batman stuff. He's a proven commodity on Batman, but he's not a home run hitter mm-hmm. when it comes to being the creative force on a book. Um, I know he has some indie book that's out right now. Something is killing the children that has gotten some buzz. And then of course him being announced on Batman is kind of added to the buzz on that book. But, uh, he's like our, like our era's Chuck Dixon. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not going to be the home run hitter. He's going to write great stories for whoever he's writing for. And they're going to be easy reads. And at the end of the day, sadly, they're not going to mean a hill of beans. And as you mentioned about the Bendis thing, it's better to be... Da- it's you, Nobody wants to be David Lee Roth following Stern. You want to be the guy that follows David Lee Roth. Right. And again, not a knock on James Tinney. I think James Tinney writes a lot of books. I've been reading Batman. I'm probably going to continue reading Batman with James Tinian at the helm. Now, where does that now is Tinian still writing detective or is that Tomas no, at this point? Right now, that is a rotation of writers. Okay. I don't know who it was because like who it is right now. I, I'm getting detective this week, but it was a two part story. Uh, the last month. And that was a different writer than the writer who was, you know, the, the, the before, and maybe that was a three parter. Um, so yeah, right now I think we're just, we were in a holding pattern until we got the, the creative teams and stuff like that. So I don't know. I don't know who the current, the ongoing writer on detective is going to be. Right. So it'll be interesting to see if James Tinian ends up being on the book longer than up to issue 100. Like I said, I feel he won't, but that's just my opinion. Last but not least in the news section, uh, Valiant has been rolling out their press releases for the coming year. Hashtag Valiant 2020. Uh, They do have some other new books and new projects. A lot of things getting new number ones. Aren't they doing a bloodshot movie starring Vin Diesel or something? They are doing a Bloodshot movie, but I don't know who the star is. Right. 
And they just they they have new number ones uh, for as mentioned Bloodshot, Rye, and Psy Lords. But one of the new images that came out is uh, a Quantum and Woody tease for upcoming in 2020, which reminds me that there was discussion of there being a Quantum and Woody TV show that was announced almost like a year ago. It was longer because remember, it wasn't New York last year. It was the New York before that because that's when Kibble Smith was there. Right. And I did my interview with Kibble Smith and I walked up and the first thing that Kibble Smith's handler said is like, don't even ask about the TV show. Don't bring it up. Don't mention it. He knows nothing. He's not involved. <laughs> and I'm like, let me get, let me see if I could mop what you're spilling. You don't want me to ask about the TV show. But she was, she was adamant about it so that's how i remember that the tv show was definitely at least two years ago unless that kibble smith interview was three years ago which i don't know but it's definitely two years ago no so the first dribblings of it was uh march of 2017 Mm -hmm. and then it went quiet for some time until around july of 2018 right where so it, was just like, it was just like, you know, March 2017, the Russo brothers are going to do a Quantum of Woody TV show. Then nothing until July of 2018, where they're like, Russo brothers still doing that show. It's gonna, now it's going to be at TBS instead of sci-fi. Right. Maybe they don't have faith in what the Russo brothers can do, Joe. Yeah. That's why they're dragging their feet. They're like, what? you don't know how to, you, you're terrible. You don't have any, you know, anything unproven on commodities. Well, yeah. So. That's all. I, I I will always get a Quantum and Woody comic book. I think. Do you think they'll be mentioning anything in two weeks or a week in, or next week at uh, New York about it? Absolutely. So that's what I think too. I think this is the this is one of those rare teases that may actually because like Valiant and them they do their their announcements at the show. Like next week during the early part of the week, we'll probably get all our DC announcements before uh, the show actually happens. Right. I'm on a lot of these uh, companies' mailing lists, so a lot of times I'll get the press release a little ahead of time. Right. Yeah. So I think that's all we got in news. I think that is everything. Right. So we got a bunch of conventions this weekend uh, all over the world, a couple even in uh, the UK territory, if you will. Uh, there is the MCM Comic-Con in Scotland that is going to have Bart Sears, Rick Leonardi, and J.M. Damatis. I don't think uh, Salty Keith is crossing any oceans between oh, me and you. That's right. They dunk him in the ocean to make it salty. <laughs> he's like a tea bag for salt. Oh, he's too salty for the ocean. That's right. Uh, Norcon in Norfolk, UK. Uh, not a lot of comic book folks, but Peter Davidson and Sylvester McCoy are going to be there. Oh, five and seven. Mm-hmm. I thought it was seven of nine. No, that's that's much prettier. <laughs> okay, I don't know. Sylvester McCoy has a no. He's horrendous to look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, Great Lakes Comic Con or Comic Expo in the Michigan area. William Messner Loeb's is going to be there. Uh, Cartoon Crossroads in Columbus, Ohio, uh, Magnolia, Terry Moore, 
and uh, P. Craig Russell are going to be there. How often do you see P. Craig Russell making the convention rounds, man? You do not. He does have, I know he had an Indiegogo going for an art book. Uh-huh. So it's probably, and then obviously like Kickstarters, it's like, oh, it gets funded, then it'll be in Diamond or whatever. So he's probably, uh, it was a while ago and it reached its goal. So I'm wondering if he's on the push now for the art book. Could be. That's what I would I would say it is, so. Yeah, like I said, it's. I always like to point out when I see someone who hasn't shown up a lot, mm-hmm. or when I see someone showing up a lot uh, where they haven't been before, there's always a reason. No one does conventions for their health. That's right. And P. Craig Russell, like, as you say, I have only, now, I don't check every con that that was. At cons that I've been at, and I've been going to cons for since, like, the 90s, like, big New York cons and stuff like that, I've only ever been at one con with P. Craig Russell. So, like, it's very weird to see his name. Right. Uh, also in the Ohio, Ohio area is the Hall of Fame City Comic Con in Canton, Ohio. Uh, Mark Teixeira and Mark Bagley are going to be there. Mm-hmm. And Mighty Con in New Orleans, Louisiana, uh, Graham Nolan, Rod, uh, Rodney Ramos, Rags Morales, Keith Champagne, and Tom DeFalco. A who's who of late 80s and early 90s uh, Marvel and DC creators. My wheelhouse, baby. And that's two weeks in a row uh, that Tom DeFalco is on the convention scene. So he must be up to something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's working with P. Craig Russell. Oh, boy. Well, they're in completely different parts of the country, so I'm not really sure. But they're trying to get, they're trying to cover the most ground, Joe, separately. I guess, yes. That's how it is. So, uh, I have to ask, who wanted a moment during the convention talk or something? That's right. And this would be, like, we have the mutant minute. Then we also have, this would be Todd's timeout. Imagine, like, a ref blowing a whistle and then someone going, timeout. That's that's what that's the graphic I have in my head. But basically, New York Comic Con put this statement out. New York Comic Con is offering cashless pay presented by City. For the first time ever, New York Comic Con will be offering cashless pay using RFID wristbands for purchasing merch at participating exhibitors. What you need to know, it's super easy. You pick up your wristband at the cashless pay desk at Will Call at New York Comic Con. Load money onto your wristband at our top-up station around New York Comic Con or online. Tap your wrist at participating exhibitors to pay for your merch. Your merch is ref- your money is refundable if you don't spend all of the funds on your wristband. The remaining funds will be returned to you after New York Comic Con. Avoid gross ATM lines. No cash means no risk of losing cash. Easier checkout so you can enjoy more of New York Comic Con. Learn more and sign up, and then they give the link. And I'm like, you know what's a lot easier, Joe? Just reaching into my pocket and pulling out a sweaty fistful of 20s. This seems needlessly complicated with a thousand things that can go wrong and i was talking to uh the guy you want to rob his house for art over this right and i'm like yeah and i'm like he's like oh this would be dangerous because i could it's hooked up to my account and i could just tap and i'm like but if you're going to be spending this kind of money on art like most of these guys take credit card or have square or paypal yeah whatever i'm like now, granted, guess who's guess who's an advertiser or uh, for Comic Con? It might be Citibank, so I get it. But I'm like, 
no, I have my card on me. I have my, I do, I, I do get cash. I do. You don't lose cash. Whenever I'm doing anything at a con, I have my head on a swivel. Literally, if I'm buying something expensive, if I have a buddy at the con, I'll be like, come, come with me. Like you got time. Now I'm going to go and I'm going to count this money. You're looking behind me at all times. And I'm looking that way while I'm counting because I have seen and heard of people yanking money out of somebody's hand and taking off into the crowd. I ain't Jesse Owens. I ain't catching him. So I get that. But and, and I don't mean to interrupt. There's a lot of people at, at New York Comic Con. And you mentioned you're not Jesse Owens. There's not a lot of Jesse Owens is 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 at New York Comic Con. And even if there was, they're gonna have a difficult time navigating through the mass of humanity that is on the floor of any convention, let alone one as big as New York. But go ahead. No, I'm yeah, I'm sorry, I'm babbling because I this is something to me that I'm like. I get it. I I don't know if we, it's because we come from a different generation, Joe. Like a lot of people are like, yeah, this does seem easier. Right. If, if it was something, if it was an app on my phone that I can download, but it's something that I have to wait in a line at the con to get, it's not like it's a no step plan. It's like, Oh, well I have the New York comic con app. So on there, if I, you know, I could pay this exhibitor with my phone or whatever. It's no, if I go like, so you don't have to wait in gross ATM lines. If, if one tenth of the, the the con does this, if one fiftieth of the con does this, do you know how long you're gonna have to wait in line to get a wristband and hook it up to your bank account? And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I can't even fathom it. I guess though, for some people, they like that. You go for it. I have never met a retailer or an exhibitor at a Comic-Con that didn't love cash green money, baby. Straight cash, homie. That's Right, and that's the other thing is, you know, yes, of course, for the patrons themselves, and even if this is your deal, and you, you do use the square pass when you're paying for gas, or you are a Venmo person, right? Mm-hmm. So now, whatever these wristbands are, now, whatever retailer you go to, whatever exhibitor you go to, whatever artist you go to, they need to be on the same board as this thing as well. So right. you're getting double the amount of people that have to be on board with this payment system. Where even just you yourself, Todd, named five other ways that are similar to this wristband getup mm-hmm. that are easier and have less of a hassle. And these people probably already do. And now here's another question, Joe. How many exhibitors have this? Right, that's how, right. How many exhibitors have this? Let's just say I'm going to guarantee you 5% of the artists in Artist Alley don't have it because that's another thing that, they, that they're probably going to get socked by Citibank for uh-huh. fees. So great. So take them right out of the equation. If it's if I see different, if I I'll report back. If I see Artist Alley filled with artists taking Citibank bank wristbands, fine. I'll eat my words. Now exhibitors, maybe there might be a clause where they have to sign yep. up for it just to get a table. That's, That's what fine. I was thinking. That's fine. So they may be strong armed into, but you're not going to strong arm the talent. I'll tell you that right now. And I'll, you know what? I'll ask Tom next time I see him if they asked him if they wanted to sign up for a Citibank. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, I was going to suggest to you is, and I do appreciate you going and doing like some reconnaissance on the floor mm-hmm. of New York Comic Con. But I was going to say, as a funny rib, when you do go and get some art pages or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and like whatever your haggle is and your agreement is, and you're like, okay, it's you know sixty bucks or hundred bucks or whatever it is, right? And say, do you take wristbands and see what their reaction is? Right. To just gauge the reaction of the creators 
right. of what they say. It's like, and then they're like, and then as they look at you puzzled, you're just like, no, 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 I have real money. That's right. I ain't a sucker. Right. <laughs> right? So, and then how much are they going to take? Do they take any of that? You know what I mean? Right. So, but I just look at it. Does this, let me just say, there's a lot of things on this to me that could, that could even go wrong. Like, oh, I didn't get all my money refunded. Like, it's just too much. That's, it's not, it, it ain't me. I'm just going to put it that way. So that's been Todd's timeout, Joe. <laughs> Well, all the links to these non-Citibank wristband-using conventions uh, will be in the show notes for this episode, along with links to the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-named-network.com or soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com, where our like-minded group of shows, and I always like listening to our other shows and hearing them plug soon-to-be-named network, of course. Uh, That's kind of what this is all about. You know, there's all these different real networks, whether you're talking about, like, Westwood One or, you know, uh, trying to think of some of the other ones. Is Podcast One still one? All these other different podcasting networks where it is a bunch of people that actually have, like, some sort of real machine behind them. We're just people who decided, like, we all do podcasts. Let's try to help each other out. Let's give it a goofy name. That's what's going to be named Network is. But it's a goofy name that I enjoy, and I enjoy all of the shows in the soon-to-be-named network, whether it be this show, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, where we have in-depth discussions of not only uh, Disenchantment, uh, the amazing Jonathan documentaries, question mark, (laughs) uh, but also Al's Gals with uh, talk of Walker, Texas Ranger, and (laughs) Sons of Thunder. So there's a lot going on on After Dark this week, uh, a lot going on over on... Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Wednesday Night Wars, At Odds with Wrestling, and Final Wrestling Place. The thing that I like the most about Final Wrestling Place, with very little, uh, little to no prompting from me, they have taken the reins of Needling Adam. Oh, who doesn't love Needling Adam? Right. And I enjoy it very much. Whenever anyone gives uh, Adam a hard time, it makes me smile. Because mm. he's, t- he's got too good of a life. One would say too fancy of a life. Uh, definitely. He's a <laughs> gentle man, though. you got to be careful. Oh, boy. I, I, I am friends with him on Facebook, I know. Oh, boy. Uh, but we have some digital sales going on as well. Uh, Marvel is having an 80th anniversary... 80 collection, 80% off sale. Wow. And as horribly named as that is, there is a lot of good stuff in there. It rolled right off your tongue. Yes. And again, I, I would be remiss not to mention this. You got your you got your legendary books. You got your heavy hitter books from Marvel, uh, like Dark Phoenix Saga and stuff like that. Uh, you can get all of Annihilation, I think, for like seven bucks. You could get the first trade of a mortal Hulk for $2, $2 for how many book, how many issues in this? Four. I think it was only in the first uh, five, five. Mater- I know it was weird material from that Avengers 684. Oh, okay. That's, that's good then. Yeah. For $2, even though I, well, I'm not, I'm not that crazy. We'll wait for the omnibus to come out before I start trying to double dip again. Right. 
Uh, but like I said, there's a lot of newer stuff. The uh, the only time that the Inhumans was good, which was that Paul Jenkins run from the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Right, and the TV show. I think that's the only one time. Okay. Uh, Demon in a Bottle from the Iron Man run. Uh, I mentioned... Uh, what did I mention before? The uh, uh, Dark Phoenix Saga in there. You can get the first however many issues. You can get the first 18 issues of Jason Aaron's Thor run for $4. The Just the word Thor one? Thor God of Thunder, 1 to 18, $4. Gotcha. You can get that uh, Tom King vision uh, thing, and it's the director's cut edition, so it has like all the back matter and extra materials. Right. Uh, Which, so it's... Oh, I was going to say, which the Vision TV show might be taken from. Right. So that's 12 issues of maybe the best book that Marvel has put out in the last five years for $3. I'd say Immortal Hulk is a little better. Immortal Hulk's not done yet. Right. But even even Immortal Hulk, you know, even Immortal Hulk, Hulk those early issues, yeah. blow me away. I like it way better than... than mid- Beginning, middle, and end of Vision. Um, it's a, like Vision's number one. Hulk is like a real close number two, and I think it'll be easier for me to judge once it's all said and done. Fair, enough. but I, I'm with you. I really like the first issues, the setup for it, and kind of where it's gotten to now. Mm-hmm. But Vision was a nice, you know, and I say one and done, twelve and done run of a book. <laughs> Uh, that's really, really good that I really recommend. So there's a lot of really good stuff in there. Uh, DC is having a recent hits sale, and that's a lot of Rebirth stuff. And as mentioned, they don't put their Rebirth stuff marked down like Marvel does. Right. So anytime DC stuff goes on sale, be sure to check that out. Uh, Marvel is also having a separate sale on Blade stuff, Blade-related stuff. A lot of this is very tangentially blade stuff. <laughs> um, I don't know, blade doesn't like it's like, oh, here's that one issue of Mark Quaid's Daredevil that we had talked about off air, and where Blade shows up in, right? Right. Uh, here's like five five random issues of Spirits of Vengeance where Blade is in them. No. Sadly, not included in this sale. Uh, Captain Britain and the MI-13, where Blade was on the team. That was such a good run. Yeah, that should have absolutely been in a Blade sale. Now, on those DC recent hits, mm-hmm. um, Batman Year One, Dark Knight Returns, like they've been, they're hits that were recent. So, mm. no, they're not in this. Uh, they're not in this collection. They better call you about that, Joe. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, you know, there's, like I said, new stuff. Like, uh, you know, not as way, way marked down as the <laughs> Marvel stuff. But, you know, it's DC. They got to they gotta try where they can, you know? Right. They feel as though when they mark a book down from $3.99 to $2.99, they're giving you a deal, you know? So let's right. pretend that they're giving you a deal. Uh, also added to the list, Oni Press is having a sale on stuff related to Greg Rucka's Stumptown which I plumb forgot, is a TV show that's on ABC this season, starring uh, Maria what's Hill. Her, what's her face from the uh, from the mall, uh, Robin Sparkles? I call her Maria Hill. 
she'll always be Robin Sparkles to me. So I'll be checking that out. I'm not sure when that starts, but uh, I'll be checking that out. Right. I'll at least give the first episode a roll. There you go. Me too, actually. I'll probably give Stumptown a try. It's on uh, Wednesday night, just like the premiere of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, so as this drops tonight. Yes. Okay. And lastly, in this section, uh, we have some new freebies from Marvel. Uh, A couple, uh, a classic that I feel is, one of these days I'm going to have to go back through all of the freebies that they've ever done. But I feel that this is definitely in the top three in the most times that it's in the barrel for giving away free <laughs> is the Peter David Madrox number one. Oh, so good. That it's one. really good. But it seems as though that one comes up maybe like once every three to four months. Are you saying that comes up multiple, man? Oh, my goodness. Multiple, <laughs> it comes up multiple times, man. Right. Well, I was doing the man as you were the man. Oh. So, see, like, the- it comes up multiple Man, I should have. Timing is everything in comedy, Joe. Hmm. Hmm. Peculiar. I have to check something out now. Um, So the most recent-ish editions of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur from like three or four uh, years ago, written by Amy Reader. The most recent Weapon X run before Jonathan Hickman came in and did whatever he's doing. Uh, by Greg Pak. I think that one was spinning out of whatever he was doing in Totally Awesome Hulk. Things kind of get a little timey, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey when that sort of thing comes up. And I think the first issue of Charles Souls. Now, see the uh, see. This is this is why I check in the middle of the show. So <laughs> at seven thirty, the first issue of Charles Souls She Hulk was one of the free books. Right. Now it's not. Okay. I don't know what's going on, Todd. They're doing it. This one is specifically an attack on me. They are. They are cyber attacking you, Joe. Yes. Oh, boy. So all the links to these will be in the show notes as well with the convention stuff. Let's get into what we read from this past week, Mr. Todd. All right. I'm going to start with Inferior 5, number one, a 12-issue maxi series written by uh, Keith Giffen and Jeff Lemire, art by... uh, Keith Giffen, and there's a co-feature in the back uh, by Jeff Lemire, I think, uh, written and drawn by him. But we'll start with the, the first story. This is takes place in uh, the 80s uh, invasion era when there, we had the invasion from the Cuns and the, the Dominators and a whole bunch of different people. Uh, three-part miniseries. And this is the aftermath. And it's a little boy who's moved to Dangerfield, Arizona. Um, after his father was killed in the battle in New York. So it's him and his mother and he's living there. He hates it. And it's about him discovering the town and meeting random people and which are going to be the other inferior characters like dumb bunny and stuff like that. And we get to, uh, meet the dominators who are, who have a plan afoot with this person who has a burlap sack with an X on it over their head, trying to hunt down it looks like test subjects or escapees we're not 100% sure but that's going on um and towards the end maybe one of the people that they're hunting is the new person in town's mother and we're not sure what's what's happened to them i i have a clue i have a guess i'm thinking 
that the person with the burlap sack I'm hoping isn't ambush bug, but it looks like maybe they'd have powers that are teleporting, but I'm not sure. Um, I was interested in this because invasion is my wheelhouse. There's a lot of cute Easter eggs in here just for me as they talk about where they, they, the battles were. And I remember the ads from invasion at the time was like, here's the map of invasion where, uh, in Cuba, it was flash and manhunter. And in South America, it was the justice league international and, and all that stuff. So they mention all that and it syncs up with my mind. So there's a lot of fondness for that. But honestly, I'm not 100% sure how someone who doesn't have a nostalgia as you and I do is going to like this book because the nostalgia clouds my mind. And uh, basically, they're just trying to to capitalize on a uh, Stranger Things kind of vibe with the kids, which I even think Jeff Lemire kind of mentioned when he was on the show. Um, what did you think of it, Joe? I liked it, but this is a book written for an old man like you, mm-hmm. and I strive to be an old man like you when it comes to comics. While I did read Invasion, it didn't resonate with me the way that it resonated with you. I think mm-hmm. I read it, you know, I read it when it came out, but I was young, I'm a little bit younger than you, so uh may not have the same fondness. The enjoyment of this book is strictly based on the fondness that I have for Jeff Lemire and Keith Giffen. Mm-hmm. working on a book together it being something that kind of exists outside of whatever's going on in the rest of the dc universe um this is a currently in the dc universe uh if this was marketed better which it wasn't marketed at all i think this could have been a book that they could have advertised to 40 plus type people of like hey remember that crazy invasion storyline that they did even on the tv show last year well, right. here's the thing that's set in that. Or as you even mentioned, how when Lemire was on the show with us and he had talked about how there is a Stranger Things vibe to it. You know, you could have said whatever invasion is supposed to be. You know, you want to say invasion of the body snatchers, you know, a million different things that invasion can be aligned to meets Stranger Things and advertise it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the downfall of this book is the poor to no advertising of it. I liked it. I enjoyed it. It it, it felt really good. Um, mm-hmm. It had just enough because Keith's comedy sometimes. I love Keith's comedy, but there's sometimes where there's a place for it, and there's times where there's not a place for it. Mm-hmm. But Keith always puts it in there, which is great. But sometimes maybe it's too much. Maybe it's not enough. I felt as though the humor in this was just enough. And what I think is going to help on that, too, is because you say Keith's humor too much and not a lot, because people forget how much Helfer was the traffic cop for Justice League International back in the day. Like they even say in interviews how much credit he gets. Like we were throwing jokes like like fastballs and he was like, cut this one, cut that one, cut this one. And it'll flow much smoother. And they're like, we're right. And when you see later like when they do not necessarily the justice league and all that stuff where it's just packed with word balloons where they would have cut some out of there. Um, so yeah, the other thing that hurts with Keith's humor, which I hope Jeff will help with is like, I don't want to see any, my three sons references because that's one thing that he used to, he used to love that show. Every Keith Giffen comic from the eighties at one point has a, my three sons reference. And I'm like, it's 2019. It's not even on Nickelodeon anymore. So like, like let it go. And we haven't had one, but I, I want to see before 12 is, o- is over if we get one. 
Um, and the other thing that I think does hurt it is, and I'm not super big on it, is Keith's art is an acquired taste. Is an acquired taste. So I we'll, thought it, there there are times where Keith's art looks like a mess. Mm-hmm. I did not think this looked like a mess at all. I agree. I agree because there are issues that I can show you where I can't tell what's good. Not of this, of past stuff that he's drawn no. in the eighties and nineties where I can't tell what he he's what's going on at all in the panels. This at least has that, but a stylized, the stylized Keith style. So. Right there. There were all, there were second features in justice league international of the suicide squad stuff. That is illegible. He did three issues. He did the last issue too, I think, mm-hmm. of that Hex run where Hex was in the future. Right. And it was colored so bad. And just his art, I have to literally figure out what's going on by the word balloons. Like I it is the worst thing that I've ever seen him ever do. And it's funny because it was the last couple issues that that were before the book got canceled. But yeah. And then the backup story is Jeff Lemire drawn by Jeff Lemire about the peacemaker, the man who loves peace so much he's willing to kill for it, Joe. And it's uh, Commander Flag and Amanda Waller discussing that there's something in Russia that there's a sleeper cell from the Dominators and they send him in. And they're like, why do you send a suicide squad? No, I think he's more in tune for what we need. And then they find out how it may be synced up. The Russians know maybe what's going on in Dangerfield, Arizona. So I think the peacemaker is off to to Arizona and, and, you know, to see what's going on. And we'll probably get my Rocket Reds like Jeff Lemire promised me. Right. So, again, I like this. If you're a fan of 80s DC comic books, definitely get this. I agree. Uh, so another book that I hope y'all are reading is uh, Second Coming, number three, written by Mark Russell with art by Leonard Kirk and Richard Pace. Uh, the continuing adventures of Sunstar, definitely not Superman, and his uh, partnership with a very naive Jesus, actual son of Christ, uh, actual son of God. Or a wise Jesus, Joe. Naive or wise? I'm going to say naive. I say a little bit of both. So uh, we get them separated, of course, because there is an emergency regarding Sunstar's uh, adopted mother, not Ma Kent, as she has wandered out of the old folks' home that she's in, and uh, Sunstar is in disbelief to find what the state of his family home has become. (laughs) In such a gag, and a gag too hot for this show. Exactly. Uh, but that was a great gag, but he unfortunately leaves Jesus to his own devices. Jesus runs into the devil and gives him the old, not this time devil, but uh, uh, runs afoul of a much more sinister plan. I, I guess that's the best way I can explain this book. I'm really enjoying this book. Even though I feel I could see where everything is going, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying the ride. I am too, though. I'm not 100% sure. Like, I have an idea how, where we're going, but how we're getting there, because there's these little things that, like, in here, uh, we have the ransomer in this issue, Joe, who's, yes. like, who's like ransom. He's, he says, I'm going to do this, and if you don't send me the ransom. And then the last issue, we have the guy who was attacking, or not attacking, but uh, his wife, that she was the reporter and he goes and he threatens, but he gets the wrong person. 
I have a feeling all these little things that he's doing, like putting ransom, like sending ransom or where he sends them, that all this stuff is going to have, it's all going to weave into something at the end. All these little pieces are going to come together at the end in a weird, weird way. And that's what I'm looking forward to. At least that's my feeling, if that makes any sense. The only, oh boy. I feel as though, and this is me just kind of guessing and postulating and what have you, is that the devil is going to tempt uh, Sunstar. I I agree in that, but I think what's going to save everything is God works in mysterious ways, and all these things that Sunstar has done is going to work out positively. Do you know what I mean? Like, by sending this person to college, or, or whooping this guy's butt, or doing that, it's what they do off panel is going to to save the day. If that makes that's more what I mean, right? But, hmm. I don't know. I I have less faith that these off panel one off characters are going to come back. It would be awesome if they did. It would make a lot of sense. But I think they're just in here as one off jokes. Okay. I mean, I I beg to differ, but we'll see when it's all this right. said and done. We only have three more issues, so... Right. Uh, I think it's two more issues. I think it's a five-issue, six-issue. I thought it was six-issue, but if you told me five, because that is one of the things that I have problems with this these days, even though it did say 12-issue maxi-series on the front of Inferior 5, is that they don't want to let you know how many issues anything is anymore because they don't want you trade-waiting. Uh, I'm almost certain it's five because I don't think issue six was in the December solicitations. Which, okay, you know what I mean? Yes. I don't follow that stuff this closely. Right. Well, previews just comes out this week, you know? Um, you, like, like all the the order form and everything was online last week, but the actual physical previews is out this week. You can really peruse. It's not in there. And then the solicitation for five... Uh, it doesn't say that it's over, but it, you know... No, I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, that's all. So maybe well, it's just a skip month, and maybe it'll come back as a second miniseries. You know, who knows? Right. Uh, but yeah, good comics this week. Uh, so before we get into what we're looking forward to next week, uh, now I have to warn everyone, if you have not read and you were waiting on reading House of X and Powers of X, you're going to want to tune out for the next three minutes or so because now it's time for the return of James and the Mutant Minute. X-Men Chart Watch, X-Men Chart Watch, X-Men Chart Watch, X-Men Chart Watch. House 1. The different powers of the various flowers of Krakoa. A map of Krakoa. An organogram of the human organizations bonding together to stop the mutants. What makes an Omega-level mutant and who is considered an Omega level mutant. Info, fo, 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 fo. Powers 1. A breakdown of Mr. Sinister's genetic breeding program for Kokoa and his eventual betrayal. A description of the Sentinel mutant breeding camps in the future. A population breakdown of where in space mutants are living and hiding in the future once they've been driven from Earth. Another text piece. Another text piece. House 2. A huge infographic detailing the 11 lives and deaths of Moira McTaggart, 
except for the mysterious sixth life of which we know nothing. Another text piece I want to read. Powers 2. Some complicated stuff about galactic intelligences on different scales, from an individual to a planetary intelligence, all the way up to the interstellar phalanx. Another info dump. Glorious info dump. Powers 3. An updated wibbly wobbly timey wimey Morag McTaggart infographic. I love reading info dumps. House 3. A step-by-step -step guide to how Sentinels gave way to Nimrod. A step-by-step -step guide that makes the Powers of X series actually become understandable to an idiot like me. How a human becomes planted with Sentinel technology to become an Omega Sentinel. And an A to Z to the Krokoan alphabet. Read the Hickman run, read the Hickman run, read the Hickman run, read the Hickman run. House 4. The rise and fall of mutant populations after each major mutant genocide and exactly how many deaths each human enemy group is responsible for. This one barely had any infographics. Read the Hickman run, read the Hickman run, read the Hickman run, read the Hickman run. Powers 4. The best text piece of them all. Mr. Sinister's Gossip Column. The Hickman run is really good. House 5. Which five mutants made resurrection possible for mutant kind? The answer may surprise you. And a list of which countries rejected trade deals were Krokoa. This has been Chartwatch. So from the sounds of things, uh, James is going to be wrapping it up uh, with the next set of books from Hickman. I guess he's not going to continue on with the 19 books that are all going to tie into whatever's coming out of Powers and House of X here. Mm-hmm. And I just know that James's mutant power is probably not karaoke. That's all I'm going to say. But you could also follow James on Twitter at JamesEnda, E-N-D-A-1, and uh, share your thoughts and discussions in regards to this current Jonathan Hickman revamp of the X-Men. Now, Todd, let's get into what you and I are looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you're waiting for the trades, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, get that list done ahead of time. It's the end of the month, so I got my list for October ready to go to hand in at the comic shop when I pick my books today. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd has a healthy lead over me with uh, eight, seven, seven correct guesses. That's what it looks like. So uh, it's going to be tough for me to catch up, but that's not going to mean I'm not going to try. Mm -hmm. So, Todd, looking at your list, I'm going to guess the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Criminal Number 8. It is not. You have a lot more books than I do, so... It is the Black Label Harleen book number one, mm. which I am looking forward to, and I'm looking over your slender read of a list. <laughs> is the book you're looking forward to most criminal number eight? It is. Uh, criminal number eight is the most important... Criminal is the new saga. Right. You know, you see criminal on the list, you know, unless... 
there's some sort of earth shattering, some sort of other book that's also coming out. You could bet your bottom dollar that that's going to be the book. Who is doing this Harleen book? Now, I know the name, and I'm a big fan of his artwork because he did some of the Aquaman run uh, during the, the rebirth. His name is S- Steven Stedgick. It's a really, really like. Oh, okay. Stiff. Yes. Yeah, Steven with like a S T J. Right. Yes, yes. Right. And he, <sighs> and like that art is ridiculously gorgeous. Like, I have few guys, like he did. I, like I said, I, he did a lot of that, uh, that uh, like early Aquaman stuff in the Rebirth. Did the covers, and then he was doing a book at Image, which is called Sunstone, which has uh, adult themes, if you will. Um, and I, I've seen his art online and everything. And he's like my new like infatuation when it comes to art. And this Harleen, like the one, there's two different covers. The one's not so great, but the one cover where she's holding up a mask over her face a cracked Harlequin mask. I'm like, dear God, man, your, your, your art is, is gorgeous. So I'm looking forward to seeing how well he writes too. And it's Harleen Joker, beautiful art. So, and it's oversized. So you get that like extra, extra art. I love like when beautiful art is oversized format. So. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have the same affinity for this artist. His stuff is really pretty. That's an awesome cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure the interiors are just as fancy. I don't know. Maybe I'm all jokered and harlequined out. You know what? There is a lot of that. But like I said, it, this guy I like, so I'll give it a chance. Mm-hmm. Maybe the next three Joker or Harley Quinn black label books, I'll take a pass on. Right. So uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that's over there, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, the 2017 smash sensation Todd and Joe have issues. Uh, And of course, you can also check out our store, which has shirts and pins and stickers for our fancy logo. And of course, if you want more than just our fancy logo, say you want soon to be named network shirts, say you want uh, at Odds with Wrestling shirts, or even just recently added to our T Public store, is shirts based on some of the most famous slogans and stories from this very show, such as When Did Blank Become a Business and Fish Math. You could purchase those shirts and many, many more from the aforementioned T Public store. And once again, I would like to thank uh, David Kincannon for giving me a hand on designing those, uh, helping design those shirts. Uh, did a beautiful job there. Yes. As I said in the DMs with him, Shoozy, you've done it again. <laughs> David has been really helping us out with a lot of design work, uh, both past and uh, presently, a lot of the editing stuff. He's the one who does the bumper at the end of the show and all the shows in the soon-to-be-named network. Buppy and the Lamborghini of podcast networks and all that sort of stuff. So, again, we are in debt to all the hard work that David does for us. And, of course, you can also support us by signing up for our Patreon. It's as though I almost held off on putting up old episodes of Three Guys from Nowhere so that when I put the next one out, it lines up day and date 10 years ago. Or I've just been lazy and now I've finally written a note for myself and it's just kind of dumb luck that it happened that way. You can get those for a (laughs) buck a month. And for $5 a month, you can get uh, After Dark two days before everyone else. Mm -hmm. But another great way to help us out, of course, is by making your purchases through the Amazon click through at the top of the page. 
Uh, I don't know, maybe you need a Halloween costume coming up soon. Why go through the hustle and bustle and all those scary things that they put up at your spirits and Halloween stores and Party City? I say fooey. Just sit from the uh, luxury of your own home, if you live in a luxurious home. Look at all the fancy costumes that you could buy on Amazon.com. But make sure you uh, go there through our click-through first and make sure that's not something that's already in your cart first because then we don't get the credit for it. I say credit. They call it an advertising fee because, again, this is me telling you that Amazon exists, you know? Mm -hmm. Some of the notable purchases for the click-through this past week is something called Fleabag, which is like a book or something that's being made into a TV show, which is TV tie-in edition. I'm not really sure what that is. Maybe somebody can help me out with that. And uh, somebody also purchased a refuel 25-ounce metal water bottle. Ooh, sounds the, delicious. Right. These are fancy water bottles. That, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, there's the two types of water bottles that people have. They have the ones with the, the screw on top. And mm -hmm. there's the one where you could like, has the straw that you flip out. Right. So uh, we got this year for my kid this brand of the one with the straw that flips out. Right. And he was telling me the other day that some kid at his school offered to pay him $30 for his water bottle. Wow, must be a limited edition Sposto Spectacular. <laughs> it is not. Mm. Uh, it is not. Um, again, he hasn't uh, decorated it with anything else like that. And I don't think the water bottle is worth $30, which just goes to show you how poor handling money skills second graders have. Or... Or it's your son's new uh, insulated water, ball, water bottle opportunity. Oh, he's, got some of, he's got some of his father's stand in him. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, I've been having a lot of conversations with Stan lately. Oh, well, got Mike, baby. Well, I don't know. Maybe you might hear a lot about those on Ad Oz at Wrestling this week, but I'll tell you off mic. I was going to say, because I won't hear on Right, Oz. right. Uh, but again, thank you for any of your purchases. Thank you for anyone who's bought a shirt or a sticker or a pin. Thank you for anyone who's a Patreon. And uh, most notably, thank you. More importantly, thank you for anyone who has shared this with a friend. Um, you know, we're not the people uh, who go out there and vanity search podcast recommendation and then bombard innocent social media people with all the shows in the soon-to-be-named network. But hey, if you do that unsolicited from us, I can't stop you from doing so. If you see people saying, hey, comic book podcast, wrestling podcast, puzzle quest podcast, po politics podcast, and you suggest any of the shows in the network, that does more to us than iTunes reviews. Don't let people fool you. The algorithm is a bunch of malarkey. Unless you get a ton of reviews all at once. Like, if you get 100 reviews over 100 days, that doesn't mean as much as 100 reviews in one day. Right. And that's it's, all it means. It's, it's ridiculous. It's a scam. Right. And you haven't complained about it in a while. I love it. Right. Hearing it again. I listen, I listen, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I listened to five in a row today that <laughs> were upfront with how the algorithm helps whatever, whatever. And I oh. just... So angry about it. <laughs> I can see you shaking at your secret science job, just like rocking, fracking, sacking. People think I have road rage. No, I have iTunes lie rage. Oh. And it's smart people that believe it, too. That's the sad thing. 
anyway. Anyway. Todd, do we have any art attacks to discuss? Oh, my God. I don't even have the number of how many art attacks we have because I got bombarded while I was one night out for dinner uh, getting the all-you-can-eat shrimp at Red Lobster. And boy, howdy, my phone was going off while my fingers were covered with teriyaki sauce. Um, They are not a sponsor of the show, but they could be. Um, From Is It Broken Yet? Dr. Denna, Ph.D., through like 90 at me um from the saskatchewan expo yeah uh, we talked about that i think on the show right apparently because uh she put out that uh there uh, that table art is a big thing when the cons are over and i have seen it that they draw on them and the first one was superman by tom grummet it just says thank you saskatch saskatch Sask- the town they saskatoon. are in saskatoon saskatoon you've been super and he drew a superman on the table and then Justin Schaff uh, drew a Frankenstein. He left that behind, um, which is very nice. And then more table art from Rags Morales. He drew a uh, – did he draw a Hawkman? Yes. Yes, he did um, because I saw the, the little bit of uh, Schaff's table there in the picture. And then after that, there's a, uh, a Nightwing by Jeff Johnson. Uh, worked up a quick Nightwing fur, and that's beautiful. Um not the same side recent work from Nicola Scott that's making the rounds because that's that's butt stuff that they like to, to show with Nightwing because the women love that. Love it. Um, also, there was a Batman Who Laughs from uh, Michael Walsh. That's very beautiful. Uh, right. I'm Michael not... Walsh who's currently doing the Black Hammer Justice League thing over at Dark Horse. And that, it, like, yeah, you know, we kind of ragged a little bit before on the Dark Universe stuff that's going on in D.C., that is an awesome, awesome, awesome I, print. I am burned out on the Joker who laughs, but that piece is gorgeous. Like at no point did he tap out during like he's like, yeah, a little more, a little more, a little more, a little more. And it's absolutely gorgeous. So uh I love that piece. Also, uh from the same person, an Adam Gorham uh beast. That uh, looking very thoughtful in the thinker pose. That's a very, I, and I love that blue version of the beast, blue furry before he even mutated into the cat. I'm not sure what he is now. You know what I mean? Um, also, a swamp thing, a swamp thing cover from uh, Mike Ruth. Uh, that's very beautiful. I like that one too. Lots of detail with a batarang stuck in his head. But swamp thing always gets the best of Batman because he has the powers. Of the of of the green, you just can't mess with them. Also, our good buddy DJ put up his Orion from Walt Simonson, who the story goes from when we went to that uh, Phillipsburg con in the high school, we were going to see Walt Simonson. And I'm like, well, what are you going to get? And I'm like, Orion, I know you're a big Jack Kirby fan and uh, the New Gods, and you liked uh, Walt Simonson's run on the on the on the New Gods. So on Orion, he did the book. And he's like, yeah, I want to do that, but I have an Orion somewhere that he did for me years ago. So if I do get that, then I just know that that's going to pop up. So I forget what he actually did get, but that was like six months ago, and he he found it under a couch. So well, uh, no, I I do have to interject unless I'm mistaken. If I'm like, yes, he said that it fell behind a couch or something, but it looks like it's signed and dated for like 2017. Right. So he said he already had one when we went to. Okay. Oh, no, that's right. That's right. 
So he was like, oh, what, what are you going to get? And Orion, he's like, no, no, I have one, but I lost it. I said, and he goes, and I don't want to get another one because I know if I find it, I'll have two. So he ended up finding the second one and, or the first one. And I don't know what he got, but he did get another something at this, at this Phillipsburg's. Um, also, we have from. Uh, okay. Again, uh, my friend David. And, right. Uh, tell, uh, you know, whatever his name is. Uh, Dave Fuente. Right. I don't know how to say his Twitter right. name. Right. I, I don't I, know how to say his Twitter name too. He's told us before, but I forget how to do it. Right. Um, but he got original art artwork uh, from uh, Ice Cream Man comic, which I've heard about, but I've never read. Um, and I'm not sure who the artist on Ice Cream Man is. I'm looking it up now since he did not include it. Yes. That's my fault for not looking up earlier. And uh, while you're no, doing well, that. I do want to mention that he didn't buy, he didn't just get art from it. He bought a page from it. Right. Uh, by Martin Morazzo. Right. And he says some infamous words. I had to own a page. If I had the money, I'd buy the entire issue. Yep. I was going to come back to that when you had it because I didn't know how long it would take you. And I've been there, so I do know what it's like. <laughs> and that's very beautiful. I know a couple of people who, who like the Ice Cream Man book. So, like I said, maybe I'll have to give that. It looks really nice. And I love, uh, you know, pay, like a page from an actual comic. And finally, from T-Bolt712, man, there were a lot of heart attacks. Um, since it's Jim Henson's birthday, as we're recording this, I thought this would be a great fit. Kermit, Fozzie, and Gonzo doing whatever it is they do best um, by James Silvani. Um, and it's basically Gonzo being launched out of a cannon by Fozzie while Kermit uh, – has his fingers in his ears and joe as you know i will always stand by muppets are always funny in comic format or tv so i love that that page and when you rob his house rip that page out of the sketchbook for me oh that one's for you yeah that one you've you've claimed you've planted your flag on a lot of his art i like i every 10 or so i go grab that for me so Unless you're going to use your veto power as president of the pod podcast. Uh, well, listen, if I'm if I'm doing the smash and grab, I can grab that. Right. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's everything. I'm winded, Joe, from yeah. Water Attack today. Woo. And with Con, you know, New York coming up, uh, hopefully a lot of listeners will grab something. And then Baltimore two weeks after that. You know, these are the big ones. These are the big ones. So maybe I'll have even more. And then we'll have, well, no TV here next week. Right. Uh, I think we might discuss, well, we might discuss Stumptown next week. We could, if, yeah. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the Joker movie comes out next weekend. But that's, I do want to see that. I know you said you were iffy on that, or maybe not, not even like it. I was possible. But because of the fact that I'll be gone Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for New York Comic Con... Uh, trying to fit in a movie is going to be tough. Mm -hmm. So, but if I do, I'll let you know. Right. Yeah. I, I, well, and see, that's the thing. If I don't see Joker opening weekend, I won't see it after that because the following weekend is my kid's birthday. Right. And then the week after that, there's other stuff going on. And then rest, a lot of wrestling in October, more, more wrestling uh, than I had previously expected be going on in the month of October. Well, October is the scariest month, so... Yes. Ugh. 
All right, everybody. So, closing on episode 469 of Longbox Heroes for Todd. This is Joe saying thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.